All right, everybody say praise the Lord. Lord. All right, aren't you glad to be here? You're a good looking group of people. I mean, like every one of you, not just some of you. Uh, I was looking out just before, um, well, when worship service started, the house was like full, you know, and people kept coming in. It's like there's only one or two things happening here. They came to hear me or they didn't know I was preaching. and came and, and just, you're here, so you're stuck, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I heard this phrase years ago. I was a teenager at, at a youth camp, and we had a, a class that was called Variety Class. And uh, the theme of it, they had a little song that went along with it, but they, um, they sang this little song. It said, Variety is the spice of life. So, I don't see much spice going on right here, but... Um, <laughs> Variety is the spice of life. So what that means is you are blessed to have a great church in New Hope, right? Have you ever heard uh, Pastor Weston preach? Have you heard Pastor John speak? Have you heard Pastor Chris speak? See, that's variety. Everyone has their own style, their own way of doing things. And, and God has blessed you, you know, to come to a church that you get to hear Pastor Chris and Pastor Weston and Pastor John and variety. And then you get this. And so... Um, hold on to your seats. I'm about to explode all over this place, right? Yeah. Um, God is good. If you have your Bibles, thank you, Pastor Chris, for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you're a visitor, if this is your first time, disclaimer, just to throw this out here. I don't preach every Sunday, so if I do something you don't like and if it's not good, come back. I promise Pastor Chris will be here next Sunday. You'll enjoy that. And if not, then someone else is preaching. That's what the variety is about, right? Uh, I'm going to go to it. I love, this is kind of what I like to do. I like to take an Old Testament story and just kind of preach from that, right? So I'm going to be in a book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn there real quickly. And um, when, I, when I'm looking to preach, I like to, I like to grab an Old Testament story and kind of preach that and, and just pull in some New Testament you know, themes and just kind of throw that in there. But I love, when I'm, when I'm struggling on what to preach, I can always preach about David. David is like one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And there's a reason for that is because I was always the smallest guy in school, right? So I love a story about the little guy beating up on the big guy. David, Goliath, you know, right? So um, here we are in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 28. I think the verses are going to be up if you do not have your Bibles. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, man... Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left the few sheep that are in the wilderness? I'm paraphrasing some. I know your pride and I know your naughty little heart. For you are come down here. The only reason you came is so that you might see what's going on on the battlefield. Right? This is David's older brother just kind of, you know, ribbing him a little bit. Here we are fighting in the battle and you're just nothing but a little shepherd boy and, and daddy sent you over here with, with cheese and bread and, 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 and you're just coming to stick your nose where it doesn't belong, right? That's an older brother telling a younger brother just kind of kicking him in the teeth. And David said, man, what, what you messing with me for? What have I done? Watch the next phrase. Is there not a cause? You're missing it, Eliab. And he turned from him toward another, and he spake after the same manner. And the people answered him after the former manner. No, as he left his older brother, and he started speaking to other ones, and the other ones began to rib him just like his brother. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before 
this, the king, Saul, and he sent for David. And David said to Saul, man, don't let any man's heart fail because of this big, uncircumcised, ugly Philistine. He's big and he's boasting, he's proud, and he's all of these things, but I'm going to take him down. Man, I'm about to just murder this guy. I want to remind you before I start of another verse of Scripture, 1 Peter. I'm sorry, this is 2 Peter 1.10. This is going to give us a little place where I'm going here today. It says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God is calling you to make your calling, your election sure. God's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. He wants you to secure that, right? Here's what I need for you to do today. Before we leave, I want you to get, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff to some of you that probably won't make any sense. But if you can get this. Number one, God is not just calling you into his kingdom. He is calling you into the kingdom, but he's not just calling you into the kingdom just to get you to heaven. He's calling you to serve. God is calling you to service. He is calling you. He's got a purpose and he's got a plan for your life. That's number one. Number two, don't leave without getting this. God is not just calling you to service. He is calling you to passionate service. In other words, once you have identified your purpose in the kingdom, don't be like Nike and just do it. God is not calling you just to do it. If you're going to do something for God, He's calling you to do it with everything that you have inside of you. The song that we sang says it best. Leaving nothing on the table. Leaving nothing out. God, I'm giving you everything that I have. And I'm going to do what you've called me to do. With purpose, with passion, with fervency, with fire. Ain't nobody going to stand in my way. People can think I'm crazy for what I do for you, God. It doesn't matter if you've called me to do it. I'm going to do it with everything that I have. Mark 12, 30 says this, and thou shalt love the Lord your God. Watch this. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In other words, if you're going to love me, don't just say you love me. Give me everything that you have. And watch this. If you love God, you'll serve Him. And if you're going to love Him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're going to serve Him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I have a very safe way to tell whether someone is walking in their calling, and has found and identified and recognized their purpose. You know what I do? I just sit back and watch the level of passion that they do what they do. And that tells me if they're walking in their purpose or not. See, we all have a purpose in life. There's a reason that we exist. You were born for this purpose. It is up to each of us individually to recognize, to realize, and to embrace our purpose in life. God put you here, not just on this earth, but in this church, with a purpose in mind. Now, some of you have yet to recognize what your purpose for being here is. Others realized it maybe some time ago, maybe years ago, months ago, and you've lost sight of that purpose. And yet there's another group among us who have yet to see or have seen their purpose and just refuse to embrace it. 
What's interesting to me is this. Most successful businesses are successful because they have adopted a mission statement. It is their purpose for existing, and they have never lost sight of that purpose and mission throughout their years of existence. This church has a purpose. If you haven't been coming here long, you will soon find out that Pastor Chris has adopted a mission statement for this church. It is to meet people and to grow closer to God together. And the reason that this church has doubled or pretty close to tripled in size in just over a year that he has been here is because we have a mission statement, and the mission statement is forever before us. And as each individual members of this church, it is our purpose to coincide with the mission of this church. We have a mission statement. It, it accomplishes its purpose when we all buy into it. Amen? Like individual organs, limbs, members of one body, we exist for the benefit of this whole body. So we must exist for the benefit of this church. The purpose of the hand, if this, I am a body, the purpose of the hand, of my hand, is to benefit my whole body. The purpose of the feet are to benefit the whole body. The purpose of my eyes are to benefit the whole body. The heart, the lungs, the ears, etc. None of these exist on their own benefit. When the eye sees danger, the whole body benefits. When the lungs take in oxygen, the whole body is supplied. The heart supplies blood to the entire body. When the hand puts food in my mouth, yum, and I eat, all of my muscles are supplied with protein and carbs and energy to move. It is no coincidence that the church is referred to as the body of Christ. We are all individual members that exist for the benefit of the entire body. And so with that being said today, I want to talk to us today about purpose and passion. How one will feed off of the other and how one cannot exist for long without the other. Because it is my opinion, okay, and I'm going to try my best to prove it here today, that it is purpose that feeds passion. Watch the definition of purpose. Purpose is the idea or ideal kept before the mind as an end of effort or action or plan, a design and an aim. And the definition of the word passion is an intense or overpowering emotion. It's more than just a desire. Passion is a burning desire. And so all of that brings us back to the scripture reference that we read about David. He's sent to the battlefield by his father. He's been tending the sheep. Daddy says, man, go see how your brothers are doing on the battlefield. You know, it's no strange thing that this shepherd boy is the one who when he arrives on the scene and the Philistine army and the Israelite army are gathered together and they're about to go to battle... It's no strange thing that it's David, this little shepherd boy, who immediately responds to the giant Goliath's challenge. And I say that because it doesn't take long as you read through your Bible and you read about David. I've already said he's one of my favorite characters, but when you read about him and you read the life of David, it doesn't take long to realize that he was a man of purpose and he was a man of passion. I'll give you some examples. From the earliest days of his life, mentioned in Scripture, it's visible. His father, you know, gives him a task of watching over the sheep. Now, to all of the other brothers, he had seven brothers that were older than him. This would have probably been an insult. 
At least it would have been a statement of just saying, you know, you're the youngest. That's what the youngest does. Go out and, you know, just go tend the sheep. You're, you're good for nothing else. So, so, so just, go, just, just go take care of the sheep. But when, when Jesse gave David this, this task of tending the sheep, he, he saw it as more than just, just a job. It, it, he quickly adopted this as his purpose in life, his mission, his call, his cause. And regardless of how others looked at him or viewed him for the job that he did, it was evident and plainly seen in David's life how seriously he took this job. Because you read in 1 Samuel 17, 35, 34 and 35, when this young boy by the name of David encounters a bear that has taken one of his sheep. Notice what the scripture says. It says, your servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took one of the lambs out of the flock. Watch the next statement. And I went out after him. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. He's already got the lamb. You got a whole flock full of sheep, David. He's got it in his mouth. He's leaving with it. Just count it up as one lost. You know, take care of the rest of them, David. These are still safe. Just let him go. Now, David says, man, he come in my flock. He took one of my, my little lambs, and I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. He went, and he caught the lion, and he took the lamb out of his mouth. And that's purpose, man. That's passion, right? I slew the, both the lion and the lamb with my, my bear, with my, with my, with my hands. Just, just, just nothing. Now look at it again. David didn't stand off in a distance and, and, and you know, throw rocks and hope to scare the lion off or the bear. He, he didn't shoot an arrow and hope to, to, to... No, he didn't stand from a distance and somehow successful in scaring him away. No, the lion had already taken and the bear, each a lamb. And it was, it was more than just a job for David. He said, man, he could have said, this is not my sheep. It was one lamb. There, there's plenty more. It's not worth the risk just to go after the one. But that's not what he did. He went after the lion. He went after the bear that already had the lamb in their mouth. And he took them out. So I'm reading this and I'm asking myself, you know, what is it? What would, what would make a, a young little peach-faced boy chase down a lion and a bear just to receive one lamb, which is probably already dead. Right? At the least, he's maimed beyond repair. I mean, a lion don't just tenderly take a lamb when he goes after it. He, let's, let's be honest. What is it that's going to cause this little guy by the name of David, who's just a shepherd boy, you know, just the least of all the jobs? What would make him just rise up from where he's seated and say, Nah, man, you're not getting that one. I'm going and take the dead or maimed lamb out of the mouth of the lion. I'm going to tell you what it is. It was passion. It was nothing more than passion that caused him to leap off of the ground and run toward the bear instead of away from the danger. You see, my point is this. Desire says, I would like to do something, but I can't. Desire says, I wish I had the ability to save the little lamb, but I don't. Desire sees the cause, but considers the cost. 
but passion values the cause and does not consider the cost. Desire can be overruled by reason, but passion values the cause greater than the cost and will not be overrun by reason or doubt or any such emotion. Passion is a burning fire. It is a fire that cannot be quenched. Passion will not stop at nothing to accomplish the task at hand. Man, if you're going to do something, you got to be passionate about it. I'm not the best singer, and I'm not the best preacher. But let me tell you this. Years ago, I established this one thing. I said, I will not let anybody outpassion me. I'm going to preach with more passion. I'm going to sing with more passion. You know why? Because I believe that this is what God has called me to do. If this is the case, if passion is the thing that will stop at nothing then I think we would all agree here today that what we need in our lives, in our calling, in our, in our purpose in the kingdom is a little bit of passion. As the church, would we not all agree that passion is what it's going to take for us to accomplish this task at hand? And if we need passion, the question that we must address is how do we get it? Because passion is not just born out of necessity. It's not hard to recognize someone who is passionate about what they're doing and someone who's working out of duty and obligation. I ask you a question. What do you think would cause a young man who, who we, we've been around him for a, a little over a year. All of us can see, well-educated, very smart, intelligent young man, right? What would cause a young man with the possibilities of, of maybe a professional career in baseball and maybe to continue his education, become a doctor or lawyer and, and, and all of this, you know, nice income and fancy houses and what else would come along with that? What would cause a young man to put all of that aside and say, now, you know what, I'm going to go to Eunice and take a big salary at a little church called New Hope. I tell you what it is, it's it's a purpose in his life that exists, and that purpose fuels a passion within him that says, I can't I can't run from it, I can't get away from it. I just have to do what God has called me to do. You see, I'm gonna I'm, I just wanna I want you to get this statement here. This is my this is this is my title, and it is a play on words, and it, and it, and it is exactly what it is. Passion is on purpose. You become passionate on purpose. Passion runs on purpose. Purpose. If passion were a vehicle, purpose would be the fuel in the tank. You see, passion doesn't just fall in your lap. You don't wake up one morning and suddenly your new emotion for the day is passion. That's not how it works. Before passion is purpose. Purpose always comes before passion. The only place you're going to find passion before purpose is in the dictionary. See, if passion is a burning fire... And if purpose is the fuel of the fire, then before you have fire, you first have to have fuel. And once you have fuel, you have a source, all you need is a little spark to ignite it. You know what God's looking for? God is looking for some people who are willing to let Him put a purpose in their life and then just throw a spark on that purpose, ignite a fire of passion, and He just wants to sit back and watch you burn, baby.
You as David who said, man, just get out of my way and watch me burn. Before David ever went after the lion, before he ever went after the bear, he had long before established that this little sheep tending thing was his purpose. And it was more than obligation or duty. It was his call and it was his cause. And others looked at it and thought it was funny. But when you live your life with your eyes constantly on your purpose, the end result is going to be a passion to accomplish that purpose. And so David was given the task of watching his father's sheep somewhere along the line. He decided, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I'm all about. This is my cause. This is my purpose for being alive. And it was that purpose that kindled the flames of passion. And purpose always comes before passion. And one cannot exist without the other. For one cannot be passionate, watch this, about nothing. You have to have purpose to have passion because you cannot be passionate about nothing. You can have a desire to do something. Man, I'm bored. I'd just like to, like to do something. Someone calls and man, let's go hit, let's go, uh, let's go, let's go play around a golf. Yeah, that's something. I'm going, you know. You're just bored, you have a desire. You can have a desire to do something, but passion needs a cause to exist. Desire is like a spark, but passion is a flame. It's a fire that burns on purpose. You like that, huh? Purpose is like the wood on the fire of passion. Without a fuel, a fire cannot continue to burn. And the quickest way to extinguish a fire is to remove its source. As long as there's a source, as long as there's a fuel source, a fire will continue to burn. And if passion is the fire and purpose is the fuel, then the quickest way to lose your passion is to lose sight of your purpose. I'm going to make some bold statements right here, but they're true. See, if you show me a man or woman who has lost sight of their purpose, I'll show you a man or a woman who has no reason to exist. And is simply going through the motions. There's no passion in anything that they do. There's no passion in their life. Show me a Christian, uh-oh, who has no purpose, and I'll show you one who has no passion. Show me a church who has lost sight of its purpose, and I'll show you a church that has no reason to exist. See, that's hard. You pick up your toes. I'm going to walk somewhere. <laughs> Show me a church that has no fire. No passion for the lost. No drive to win their world. And I will show you a church that has lost sight of its purpose. Because passion cannot exist outside of purpose. So watch this. Man, I love this scene. Here's David, guys. He's watching his daddy's sheep. He's a shepherd boy. Now, I, I could. I will. You know what a shepherd boy is? Now, the sheep weren't his. They were his daddy's sheep. And we're, we kind of wrongly do this. We call a, a, a pastor a shepherd could say so but bear with me pastor's not the shepherd god is the shepherd but a pastor is he's a shepherd boy and that doesn't belittle the pastor 
Watch this. Because how do you, how, the shepherd boy knew the sheep because he was with them. And the shepherd boy was the one that was constantly in conversation with his daddy about the sheep. You see, David was young, Jesse was old. He was his dad. Jesse knew the landscape a little better than David did. So when David would have these sheep and, the, and they began to, you know, you ever watch where a sheep will eat, eat grass to nothing, man. They'll leave just dirt, right? You, you, got, you got a field, you want, you want it great, you want, it's, it's kind of overtaken. Get you a couple of sheep or some goats. There won't be anything left there. They'll eat it down to the dirt, Right? So, so David's out there with the sheep. Man, they done grazed this pasture down to nothing. And he's needing, you know, I need a place to take the sheep, Dad. Where? So he's, he goes over to, to Jesse and says, Daddy, I, you know, we're over here on the, on the southeast. You know, that, you know that, that, that pasture down right, right there at the base of the, of the mountain. You know, that pretty little place. Yeah, we just kind of grazed it over. And, 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 and you know sheep, got, Dad, they, they won't drink from a running brook. They need steel waters. So where do I take them next? And, and Jesse would give him, you know, and you need to take them over here. down. Just go right around the, you know, the corner, take, take right over there. There's another little pasture. I remember it so well. Just, just bring them there for the next, for the next few weeks, and, and they'll be fine. And, and, and David's in constant communication with his father over where to take the sheep. And that is what a shepherd boy is. He's constantly talking to daddy, saying, man, I don't know what to do. I, I've done everything I know to do. What do you want to do with these sheep? And, and that's what... I'm off. I'm, I'm way off track, and it's 10:02, and I gotta get you. I gotta. I gotta finish it about 10:20 or so, so we can, you know, we 10:30 as we can get the others, you out, and the others in. I was a little nervous about that, man. I really was. I'll tell you what, I was jacked up. <laughs> I was, whoa, whoa. I was totally jacked up about two services. I, I have never preached something, and then 30 minutes later, turn and preach the same thing, right? <laughs> And so I've got this double-barrel shotgun this morning. I'm giving you the first blast. That next group coming in, brother, mm. you're lucky you came at nine. I do have some time restraints this, right now, but 11 o'clock, it's just I might reload that first barrel and give them two blasts. So David shows up on the battlefield in our text. And, and if you don't know the story, the two armies are faced off and they're going to do battle. But there's this big giant named Goliath who comes out a certain time of the day and makes his boast, you know. Send me a man. Come on. He, he does this after, after they send David out. He laughs and says, you know, I asked for a man, you send me a dog, I'm going to pull this guy apart and feed him to the birds. That's what he said. I'm going to literally rip him apart and feed him to the birds. Now, who wants to fight a guy like that? I mean, he's not just wanting to kill David. He's just, I'm going to rip him apart, man. I'm going to tear him apart limb from limb, feed him to the birds. And so this, before, before David gets there, Goliath's stepping out, you know, give me a man to fight. And if I win, and you'll serve us. And if he wins, we'll serve you. And boasting and bragging, making all these He's show, you know, it's just a show. But, but, but the Israelite army, they're in their tents, man. They're shaking over there in their boots because of this guy. And, and here's David, you know, he shows up. And, and he just kind of rides up on his Harley. 
Now, I don't know how he got there, but he pulls up and, and he, he takes us all in with a, at a quick, quick glance. You know, he suddenly, immediately, he sees what's going on. Armies are camped, one on each mountainside. Goliath's in the valley, challenging the Israelite army. And David says, first thing out of his mouth, who is this dude? I mean, who would be, I know he's big and all of that, but who's bold enough, big enough, thinks that he can defy the armies of the living God? And Eliab, David's older brother, heard when he spoke. And he was angry at David. And he said, man, you don't even, you don't even supposed to be here. I know your naughty little heart. I know the only reason that you came out here. You're a little brat, man. That's what a big brother would say. I know I had a big brother, right? You didn't get compliments from your older brother. No. And and Eliab looks at him and says, Man, I know why you're here. And David says here in verse 29, and I'm gonna this is this is this is paraphrased, right? He said, Listen here, you big bully. Go over there, sit down, shut up. What have I done? What are you accusing me of? You should have done something by now. David says, somebody should have faced this dude by now. He's defined the armies of the living God. Somebody should have gotten his grill. Isn't there a cause here? What do you exist for, Eliab? You've lost sight of the whole purpose here. You're over here shaking in your tent, scared to death over this one guy. And then there's a cause here that's greater than you are and than I am. Don't you love it when people put a damper on your purpose? Don't you love it when you, you just step out in faith and say, man, I believe God's calling me to do this. And somebody says, man, you're too young for that. You might want to put the brakes on a little bit. Or here's, here's what I've heard in the last couple of years. You're a little too old for that, don't you think? Don't you think that stage has passed you? <laughs> don't you think you should have done that? You know, it's always been... Man, I shouldn't even say. It's always been my dream. I want to record something, you know. Right? I want to record some, some music, right? Well, I don't write songs, so I'd have to steal them from somebody. But anyways, I've had people tell me, well, you should have done that when you were younger. You're too old for that. Don't you love it when you just, you just feel something in your heart, and God's put something in there, and somebody comes with a big wet blanket. <laughs> Here's David showing up on the battlefield, sees a giant defying God's army. And he's, he's like, man, there's, there's a cause here that's greater than he is, greater than I am, greater than you are. And, and, and somebody, older brother, says, man, you shouldn't even be here. But David says, Eliab, you're not looking at what I'm looking at. You're seeing the cost of facing this giant. And you're looking at the price that you're going to pay if you lose. But I am seeing a purpose. Here's why. Because if you go back one chapter before chapter 17, you will read that David was called out of the field from tending his sheep. And the prophet is at Jesse's house. And Samuel is saying to Jesse, hey, Bring me all of your sons. And there's eight, but he only brings seven. And Samuel looks at all seven going down the line from the oldest to the youngest. And he gets to number seven. And he looks at Jesse and says, this 
It's neither of these. But God plainly told me that I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be the next king over Israel. And he says, is there not one more? And Jesse says, well, you know, there remaineth yet one. He's watching the sheep. Watch what the prophet Samuel says. He says, go and get him, and all of us are going to stand. We will not sit down until he gets here. Because God has sent me to anoint one, and I've already looked at all seven of these. And if it's not one of these, then I know before he gets here that that one that's in the field is the one that God is going to anoint to be the next king. And he said, we're going to stand at attention. Until David gets here. So watch this. David pulls up on the battlefield. It's Goliath. It's the armies. They're shaking. They're scared. His brother is is bombarding him. And one chapter before, David has been anointed to be king over Israel. God's chosen king. But watch this. He anoints him. And he sends him back to watch the sheep. So have you ever felt like God anointed you to do something? And then... Sends you back. You know, the waiting period. The time where you're just kind of sitting there. But watch what's so interesting about this. God anoints him to be king by the Samuel, by the prophet Samuel, pulls the oil on his head. And then, and then he's, I'm sure he's just standing there saying, okay, what now? And Jesse says, well, go watch the sheep, boy. <laughs> but, but didn't you just see all Samuel, prophet, all anointing, king? Yeah, but Saul's still king. You just go watch sheep. And so watch this. He's anointed, but he's sent back out. But watch, when he gets out back to the field watching the sheep today, while tending the sheep, David is eyeing a brand new purpose. It seems like God sent him back out in the field, and he's hanging this new purpose in front of him like a piece of meat. You see, he was shepherd boy. He was anointed to be king. Now he's back in the field. And watch this. I don't know how long it took before he finally was made king. But in that time, God was repurposing him. So he arrives on the battlefield. And he sees this big loser defying the armies of Israel. And to Eliab is just a member, and he's just a member in the army. But to David, David seeing more than just an army, he is suddenly seeing his army. God has anointed him to be king over this very army. And David suddenly recognizes his brand new purpose. And he sees that this is his army now. This is my people. The people that I am going to be someday be king over. And yes Eliab, I'm here to see the battle. But I'm seeing more than just a battle. I am seeing my purpose. And suddenly the passion that is fueled by this new purpose ignites the same fire that caused David to go after a lion and a bear. And his passion is suddenly visible. And the fire cannot be contained. And there's no holding back. Not even Saul could keep him out of Goliath's grill and he runs out onto the battlefield with a slingshot and a little rock and he takes down the biggest enemy that the Israelites had ever faced. He didn't even have an army. He wasn't even trained to do it but he said I'm going to go because God has purposed me to do this and if I have a purpose and this passion is burning within me then there is nothing or no one that will keep me from accomplishing this purpose. 
and he runs out with a little slingshot and a stone, baby. He went down to the brook, picked up five smooth stones. I don't know why he took five. He didn't need but one. And he slings that stone. Did you know that there's a scripture in the Bible that says that there were men in the Israelite army that were so good, watch this, with a sling and a stone, that they would not miss their target within a hair's breadth. It's like, put that on the target and they won't miss it. He didn't need five stones. He needed one. So David runs out with this new purpose. His passion is burning within him. He runs at Goliath and says, man, you're standing in the way of what God is. You're defying the army that God has called me to be king over. Listen, if God is calling you to a purpose, when you get, when you get a vision of that purpose, something on the inside of you is going to begin to burn. And you cannot not do that job. Now, sometimes there's going to be a there's going to be a time where you're just going to you're just going to be as David, you know, in the, still tending the sheep and being repurposed by God and, and putting all these things in order. But but listen, I, the the greatest advice I ever got I was man I was very young and I was I was in the ministry and I was looking for what God wanted me to do and and I had some very good friends of mine who were missionaries to Africa. Right. And they were back on leave here in the States and we were working with them. They were building these these units to bring back to Africa. These, there was actually actually 18 wheeler trailers that they were converting into living quarters and they were going to haul them behind these big monster trucks in Africa. because They don't have roads, man. It's just like it's terrible. But anyway, they and we were helping them build these 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 things to bring back to Africa. And we began to work with this young couple who was about our age, and their dad was missionaries for years in Africa. And we began to feel, Pastor Chris, this, 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 this unity between us and them. And, and my wife and I, young in ministry, and, and didn't know really what God wanted us to do. And we, we began to question, well, is God calling us to Africa? And we prayed about this, and we thought about it, and we prayed about it. And, and I, I just couldn't get away from it. I said, man, I don't want to go to Africa, but if that's what God's calling me, I, I just... And so, finally, I couldn't fight any longer. I, I, I called his dad. I said, look, man, I need to meet with you. I need to talk with you. I need some advice. So he took us out to eat, and we sat down, and I, I told him what I was feeling. I told him what was my heart. And he gave me this advice. He said, look, if God is calling you to that, you won't better get away from it. But my best advice to you is this. Put it off as long as you can. Because when it's right, and it's God's timing, and it is his purpose, you will not be able to put it off any longer. And that's what David experienced when he stepped on that battlefield that day. And everybody else is scared to do what he knew needed to be done. Something on the inside of him said, God, I see it. Now is the time. Pastor John, could you help me? I'm going to close. Purpose caused a boy to face a lion, a, giant, a bear, and a giant. Purpose that caused a passion so strong that a young lad would do what none of the seasoned warriors of the Israelite army would do. The only ministries that survive and become effective are those that value the cause greater than the cost. If you want to be effective as a Christian in your calling, if you want to be effective as a church, we need passion. This passion doesn't look at what it costs me. Passion looks only at the purpose. Now, in closing, you know, I literally could, I mean, seriously, I could literally read to you any of 
are all of dozens of stories in the Bible about men and women who recognized their purpose, heard their calling from God, and the passion that it produced in their lives caused them to do great exploits for the kingdom and for the cause. And I could go through literally dozens and use this example. They saw their purpose. It fueled their passion. The passion enabled them to accomplish the purpose. But I don't have time to go through dozens of stories, right? So because I believe that everything that we do in ministry and everything that we do as a church should be able to be traced back to the cross. Everything that we do should have its beginning and its ending at the cross. Everything that we do should have its genesis, its alpha, its omega, its beginning, its end at the cross. Let me give you the ultimate example of passion on purpose. The picture is Jesus. And He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And for about 33 years of His life, He has known what His purpose is for being on this earth. You see it when He's only 12 and His mom and dad lost Him for a few days. And they searched for Him. And when they finally found Him, He's in the temple with the learned men and the wise men, and he's debating Scripture at 12 years old. And they say, Jesus, I've been looking for you. Where you been? He says, man, i got to be about my Father's purpose. I've been sitting here for a reason, and I will not be distracted from that. And so at least from the age of 12, we know that he knew. And so now he's about 33 And he's seeing the cross. He hears the footsteps of the soldiers that are coming to take him to the cross. And he's in the garden. And he's facing the cross. And he's seeing the pain. He's seeing the agony. He's seeing the suffering that is coming. And you see him pray. And watch what he says. He says, Father... If it is at all possible, if there's any way at all, Dad, that I can get out of this, then would you please take this cup from me? And you kind of see that for a moment, even Jesus had taken his eyes off of his purpose and was suddenly seeing Instead of his purpose, he was seeing the pain, the agony, the suffering. And he lost sight of that purpose. Listen, I'm not up here to tell you that I'm perfect. I've done everything right in my ministry, in my life, in my calling. Man, I've made some mistakes. I know what it's like to lose sight of my purpose at the expense of passion. I know what it's like to stand behind podiums like this and preach out of experience. Having lost that passion, but had done it for so long that I could pull it off. I could fake you. 
I could make you believe. Man, this is, this is passion. This is anointing. No, it wasn't. It was experience. I just knew how to do what I did. I know what it's like to lose sight of purpose and lose that passion to do what God has called me to do. I also know what it's like to see a purpose and then for some time feel like God is repurposing to where you just kind of feel like, man, I don't know where I belong. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who I am. So here's Jesus. I just kind of had to get that out there. I don't want you to think I'm perfect in any way. But I am called. And you are called. You just got to find your purpose in the kingdom. So Jesus is facing the cross. He's seeing the pain. He's seeing the agony. He's seeing the suffering that's coming. And for a moment, it seems like he lost sight of that purpose. And he prays, God, Father, please take this cup from me. If it's at all possible, let it pass from me. And his father flashes before him the faces of millions of souls that would be saved because of what he was about to do. The father reminds him of his purpose. You know what I think? I think he showed him your face. And he showed him my face. And the faces of millions of people who would come to the cross. And watch this. After his father showed him that purpose again, something rises up within him. And his purpose causes the passion within him to pray the next word. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Never the less not my will but your will be done stand with me all over this building right now Father I don't know why it is that you use me in these ways I'd like to end on a happy note sometimes God but you just kind of seem to always take me right here. So use this moment, Father. I believe with everything that's in me that God brought you here specifically this morning for a reason, for a purpose. He wanted you to hear me say that He has a plan for your life. It's not going to look like Mine, it's not going to look like Pastor Chris's. It's not going to look like anybody else's. This is my statement. You can't have it. Don't steal it. But this, this is my statement. I say this all the time. God has as many plans as he has people. Just as unique as you are as a person, your plan that God has for you in the kingdom is just that unique, right? That's why, that's why I don't preach like Pastor Chris and he don't preach like me and whip. Pastor Weston don't preach like and then another evangelist is going to come in and he's got his own way and everything's different. That's because God has as many plans as he has people. Specific purpose and plan and a way of doing things, right? God has designed that for you. He wants to use you in the kingdom, in this church. This is where you belong, man. If you're wondering where, what church in Eunice you need to go to, you found it. This is it. You're home. 
Let God give you a purpose. Let that purpose be the fuel of the passion that will cause you to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. you bow your heads. I got a question for you guys. Father, help me right now. Listen, in all that I've said, I want to be very clear. If you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, you have never given your heart to Him. You've never dedicated your life to Him. You don't have to look any further. For now, right here, right now in this moment, in this, at this moment in time, that's your purpose. First, first you got to get that. First, you got to give your heart to Him. So then my question is this, with every head about nobody's looking around, just, just me here. Is there anybody here that will raise your hand and say, I've never given my heart to God. I, I recognize that as my purpose in this service right now, and I want to do that today. Thank you, yes. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Come on, don't be ashamed. It's just you and God in my little prying eyes watching. Thank you. Yes. Hallelujah. We're going to pray a prayer. I want you to pray this with me for the benefit of those who raise their hands. Congregation, would you do this with me? Father, God, I give you my life right now. I give you everything that is in me. I withhold nothing back. Whatever your purpose is for my life, whatever your plan is, I want to be dedicated to that plan. I recognize that Jesus and what he did at the cross is enough for me. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's rejoice with these right now. I got to get you out of here before I do that. Pastor Chris, Wednesday night, as we were up here praying, asked this question, if there was anyone who felt like you were on the verge of something, on the edge of something new in your life, and there were several hands went up. To you, I say that God has quite possibly got you in that repurposing stage. So just in your time, in your prayer, be open. Let God lead you. Let God show you that purpose. And if there's anybody here who is guilty of what I've been guilty of in my life, of knowing what your purpose is, but for the last few months or weeks or whatever, you've lost sight of that purpose. Listen, don't beat yourself up. Just let God remind you of your purpose. Bring you back to where you need to be. And that fire will begin to burn again. That passion will be kindled again. Because the source is there. The fuel is there. The purpose is there. You just need to be reminded of that purpose. Father, we thank you for all that you've accomplished here today. We thank you for your word. I thank you for people who are sensitive to your voice. Who are willing to hear and respond. Father, we give you praise and glory for everything that is said and done here today. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you give it up for the man of God this morning? Behind every man of God is a beautiful bride in Christ. Would you bless Miss Kim this morning? How many of you believe that there's a purpose in this man? 
Listen, I want you to understand that it's because of mighty men like him, like him and, and many others in this church that think that the things that are happening in this community are happening. And I had a vision a minute ago when you were, when you were speaking, and I wanted to share it with you, and then I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to let you go. But I can't believe, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that you're in this room, and I get to be part of such an incredible team that was already in place. I had no idea that there was a body of believers inside of me. I'm telling you that there is a room full of believers inside of you. That you may never see them all together. You may never see them in this life all come together in one place. But I'm telling you that just like there was for this man, and I get to come in and be a part of what they've already got in place, and we just get to run with this thing, and now all of you are in here, I'm telling you there's a body of believers inside of every single one of you. I don't care how young you are or how old you think you are. There's still a purpose, and God's passion can light that inside of you. There are people that are dependent upon on your purpose in life and there is a room full of believers that you're going to affect in this life and in the next come on this morning would you just lift your hands as if we are handing you a present or a gift if you're comfortable with it Jesus I thank you today for the people that have given their lives to you. I pray that they would follow you and in your example in water baptism. I pray that they would sign up and take the next step. Lord, right now, I just thank you for our in-house pastor, Blaine, and Kim Francois, and the, the, all the leaders that they represent. But Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. And I thank you for the room full of believers that are inside of them. The room full of potential people growing and learning who they are in you inside of every heart of every person in this room today. I pray that you would bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir inside of us for the end influence and the initiative that you desire for us to operate in come into our lives and empower us to be a witness and an example for the room full of believers that is inside of every one of us in Jesus name I pray it and believe it and everybody said amen hey if there's somebody in the room that you don't know meet them before you leave today have an awesome week thank you for being here